All right, so let's jump into our work for this morning. Uh, you can kind of see we're set up for discipleship school graduation tonight, so pardon all the, but it looks fancy, doesn't it? Don't you want to come and dread like, oh man, that looks fancy, right? Smile. Okay. Here we go. So last week we got into, we got into, this is a, a tough topic because it, it touches uh, all of us uh, in, a, in a personal way. Uh, because we're talking about uh, strongholds in general, things that we things that we struggle with. Okay, so right off the bat, man, if you're if you're in here this morning and it's like I'm not sure I'm ready to to talk about some of those things, or uh, I'm not sure that that I want to investigate some of those areas in my life, um, and, for, and you know there's there can be some hesitancy, and then for some of us. Um, those, those can be painful and hard things to think about, you know, uh, struggles that we have. Those can be painful and hard things to talk about. So I recognize uh, the delicacy that we need to treat this topic with, but I also uh, understand that we need to begin to speak of a biblical framework for freedom and for victory um, over strongholds. So I set the rules a little bit last week. I want to go over those um, a little bit again this week. Um, what I have to do is I have to speak generally but that speaking generally is not a minimizing of your specific thing that you're wrestling with, all right? Everybody in the room probably would tell, you may, there may be some similarities, but everybody in the room is going to tell a different story about things that they're struggling with, you, and, and it's, and it's going to vary all across the room. I, I, would, I can't possibly cover each of those things and hear this, that each of those things have different intricacies in them that, that um, are, are worth attention and worth time. That can't, be t- that can't be done here from this platform. And so me speaking in general is not a minimizing of your specific situation. Hear me. It's important. Um, and where you would like further conversation about your specific situation, pastorally, we would, love to, we would love to walk with you in it. So all it is is just saying, hey, Ken, I, I, I want to talk about this more. There's some things I'm struggling with I want to talk about more. Um, and myself or any of our other uh, staff would, would love to spend some time with you working through it. And that's certainly the platform where we can, we can do that and are happy to do that. We don't have all the answers, but we want to walk with you um, as the Lord brings freedom in your life. So, uh, so please don't hesitate to initiate that. You can do that by email. You can do that just in person. Just say, hey, I want to sit down, whatever, and we will take the time to, to figure that out. Um, so again, I, I am going to speak generally. Um, the second thing is that I recognize that there's a process that, that these principles need in order to come to fruition. So the other thing that I'm not doing, I know we're covering this in, it's going to be three weeks. I mean, I'm going to talk about it today. I'm going to talk about some practicals. We're going to work through what temptation is next week. Um, based on the book of James, what is temptation? And then what are some practical things that I can do in the area that I'm struggling with? We're going to talk about practical wisdom, okay? But I understand that those things need time, first of all, to be established in your life, and then a process in which you learn and grow in them, okay? So, so overcoming the strongholds in our life is not something that, because I cover this in three weeks, we ought to just go, okay, that means it's easy, Okay? I'm not even going to make a comment on timing. The, the timing is different for everybody in terms of recognizing what I'm struggling with and then walking with God and overcoming that. I'm not saying it should take a moment. I'm not saying it should take years. I'm not even going to make a comment on time. That's God's process and, and God uh, works uh, for his glory in your life and I trust him in that. But it is going to be work, okay? It is going to be work on your part. It is not effortless, 
okay? We're going to talk about where we point our effort because I think a lot of times that's where we make our mistakes. So we're going to look at where our effort should be pointed. But just because we cover this in three weeks doesn't mean you, have to, you should have this expectation that, oh, just because I know a couple of passages about freedom in the Bible means this is going to be easy. I don't have to do anything. I just have to know the information. That's not true. If you, if you don't apply the information, if you don't recognize that it's going to take a partnership between me and the Spirit of God to walk through this, then, then it's not going to happen, okay? Um, so I do want you to understand that as well. I'm not treating this as this, this is easy and simple because uh, it's not, um, and, and God works with us each in this process. I have my experiences. You will have yours, um, but I'm not minimizing at all. So the first thing we covered last week this is the last thing in, in way of reminder, and then we'll jump in because we have a lot to cover. Last week, just kind of the overall topic, what we have to understand, we have to first get a right framework for the things that we're struggling with. We have to first understand um, that the things that we struggle with do not have power over us, all right? And a lot of times, most of us, especially if we struggle for a long time with something, we get this idea that we, we, are, we, we somehow um, have to come up with the power and the resources to overcome whatever that thing is. And that's just, that's absolutely not the case. The, the, the enemy has been defeated. And what we've been given in Christ Jesus, in his death, burial, and resurrection, what we've been given is victory. And so what we're doing is we're learning to live in that victory, not fighting for it, okay? So the kind of the little catchphrase that we came up with last week is, uh, is that we fight from victory, not towards it. And we looked at, at, at David, and we looked at the culture that, that the Israelite uh, army had as Goliath presented himself and how they were fearful. But David came, and, and he, he kind of just operated in a new uh, in a new way, and, and, it, and it was very different than what the rest of the army was. And we recognized that, uh, that his strength and his confidence came from the promise that God had given him um, when, when it was prophesied that he would, be, he would be king, that he was anointed as king, and, it, and the Spirit of God rushed on him in that moment. And, and David's confidence came not because of his own strength, but because of the promise of God. David recognized in his question, remember his question was, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? He saw Goliath as already defeated in light of God's promise, both for his people and God's promise uh, to David specifically uh, as the king, and it's where his strength came from. And so if we're going to step into this fight, we've got to step in knowing that Christ has already won the victory, that, that Christ has won the victory over all sin, and he's given that to us. And so what we're doing is we're stepping into that victory that Christ has already won. So that's the, that's the beginning framework that we, that we set last week. Uh, we looked at the book of Romans. We looked about how, uh, and we're going to check it out again. So actually, go ahead and go to Romans chapter 6. Uh, but we looked at Romans 6, verse 6 through 11, that talks about um, how sin is dead, that the power of sin has been overcome. And this is one of those really important spots that we understand the difference between sin and sins. Um, in English, this just gets a little, uh, little tricky because it's the same uh, it's the same word. When we talk about what Christ has defeated, we're talking about the power of sin, that, that taskmaster, that, that slave master that was over us. Remember we talked about the children of Israel in Egypt and how um, the Egyptians represented that sin, that taskmaster that was over them, the power of evil that was, that was over them that came as a result of us 
following our own way, right? That we had declared ourselves as God apart from him and handed that power over to sin. And now sin has power over us where all we do is live, live in our flesh. That's the power that was crushed and defeated that Christ gathered on himself. The scripture says that he gathered sin into one place and got decisive victory over it um, on, the, on the cross. So that power over you in Christ Jesus has been uh, defeated. All right. And so David David understood that we talked about having to have that mindset that whatever is in front of us, that that power of sin, it does not have power over Christ Jesus. And that what we're doing is we're stepping into the victory that Christ has given us. So today what we're going to talk about is is that that it's all well and good. But some of us sit in light of that. We go, okay, I get that. And maybe like that sounds good, but I'm still struggling. So what does that mean about where I'm I mean? Great, Jesus won and defeated sin, but, but here's where I'm at. I'm still struggling. Like, I'm still, and I still lose sometimes, you know? Like, I still, wanting to step into that victory, I still fail. So this gets a little murky in my actual experience. So then what does that mean for me? So what we're going to do is we're going to try to cover that today and, and talk about um, how we fight, because uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. All right, so go back to Romans chapter 6. Let's just review I know, it's, I know it's long review. There's just so much that needs to be said right there at the beginning. But are y'all already there? I think I just told you that. So you're already there. Yeah? Okay. All right. Romans 6. Let's just read 6 through um, 11. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So there's that beginning mindset that we have, we have got to have if we're going to step into victory is that we are dead to that which we are once were enslaved to and alive in Christ, and Christ has given victory over sin. Okay, so sin no longer has power over us. So the question then becomes, why do I still struggle and is sin possible? Okay, why do I still struggle and is sin possible? So a couple things we need to do. First of all, again, we need to understand the distinction between sin and sins. So sin, before you were a Christian, sin was your only, to produce sins was your only option. And, and understand this, S-I-N-S, we're talking about the, the, the fruit of our lives, the action of our lives coming from self, the product is sins, Right? I'm going to do, no matter, and the Bible says it doesn't matter if you do good things or bad things. We're not talking about that on the scale. Everything that comes from self is sin. The scripture will say, we'll look at it in a minute, uh, in Romans 14, that that which is not of faith is sin, right? So before Christ, before the spirit of God was living in us, everything we did, the source of it was from who? Us. So even when you help the old lady cross the street, the source of it was you and it's sin. That even all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. That, 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 that's not righteousness at all unless the source of it is Christ. 
Okay, so before Christ came into our lives, everything that we did was sin. And, and now that we're believers, some of us in here sitting in here as Christians and we're going, man, but I still wrestle with it. And the scripture here says that sin is dead. So why am I still sinning? Here's the deal. The reality is that you are dead to sin. It's true. You're not doing what you're doing because sin is Lord over you. You're not doing what you're doing because you're this helpless slave to sin and you have no choice. Now what we're in is we're in this fight. The scripture says that the spirit is set against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit that war with one another. We're in this fight and the fight is this. Are we going to live from our flesh or are we going to live in obedience to Christ by the spirit of God? Now there's a, that, that choice is now what's at play. And the scripture is still true. Romans 14, verse 23, we're going to look at it in a second, is still true that that which is not of faith is sin, only now I've got an option. I can live by faith, and if I live by faith, then I'm led by the Spirit, and what is produced in my life? The fruit of the Spirit, and who's glorified? God is glorified, right? You got me? But if I reject the work of the Spirit in my life, if I live from my flesh, if I live from selfishness, okay, so our flesh is our uh, our physical body, and it's our mind, will, and emotions. It's our humanness, okay? And if I live from my flesh, if I serve myself, then the product is not a faith. And what have I just produced? Sin. You with me? What have I just produced? I've just produced sin because that source was myself. Now, most of us kind of get in this spot where we go, okay, maybe maybe I agree with you. Maybe I'm tracking here. Uh, But how do I stop that cycle? How do, I, how do I stop that cycle? What is, how do I defeat this flesh thing? Anybody know that that is a strong and powerful force in you? Your, your own selfish desires, you wanting to please you? Anybody experience that? Yeah, come on, right? We do. Our flesh, it, God built our flesh to be... To, to be, in a sense, self-seeking. Now, it was never meant to be a leader of our lives, but, but if your flesh left on your own, it is you are number one to you <laughs> all the time. You are always going to be number one to you. Everything that your flesh does wants to make you feel better and keep you safe, okay? Those are the two things that your flesh wants to do. So if we leave our flesh unchecked, if we don't submit ourselves to the Spirit of God as a leader in our life, then what we're going to produce is selfishness, Okay? So what does Paul say? How do, we, how do we stop that cycle, all right? So we know that, again, Romans 14, 23 says, that which is not of faith is sin. So here's what the church, I think what we've done in the past, thinking that we're doing a good thing, is somebody goes, man, I'm just struggling, I'm just struggling. And we go, you need to live by faith. Is that a right answer? Clearly it's the right answer. That which is not of faith is sin, so what's the answer? You don't want to, okay, if we don't want to produce sin, then what should you do? Live by faith. And most of us like, Go, okay, like sounds like the right answer. Who's going to argue that, right? But we don't explain what that looks like. What does that mean to live by faith? Like that's just this like obscure Candyland phrase. And uh, I don't know why Candyland, I, kids and I don't know why Candyland, but uh, right? But it just kind of, it's like this easy prescription to give, but how do, how do I do that? So that's what I'm going to try to work through today and in the time that we have. So it's going to be kind of a daunting task. But um, what does that look like? All right. So Paul says something really important here. So go to Galatians chapter 5.
He says something so, so, so important about the flesh. So here's what we normally do. I did this for years of my life. I told you this about this last week. Years and years and years. Here's, what we, here's kind of the normal cycle. We want to serve Jesus. We want to love. We, we do not. Most of us aren't sitting in here and like really happy with our struggle. Like, right? Who? I mean, don't raise your hand. But, um, right? Most of us hate it. And in the depths of it, we, like, it, it's even like borderline. We start to really hate us for it, right? I, I've been there where it's like I'm struggling and I just get so frustrated and upset with myself. Like, man, why can you not get it together? You want to serve Jesus. Why can you not get it together? I know this is harmful, not just in terms of my relationship with Jesus. This is harmful to myself. This is harmful to people around me. This is harmful in my family. Like, why get it together? And what we end up doing is we end up creating this framework for healing that looks like this. I hate what I'm doing. I've got to fix it. And we pour all of our effort into fixing it. The problem is we're trying to fix it with the same tools that broke it. Okay? We're trying to fix it with effort from our flesh when effort from our flesh is what got us here in the first place. Being submitted and led by our flesh is what got us here in the first place. And I can't tell you how often, here's what I would do. I would fail, I would struggle, and then I would go straight to the practical things, the ways that I could perform to try to perform myself out of this rut that I was in, okay? And I would even do, and the, the thing that for me was more frustrating was that all of the practical things I were doing were spiritual things. Like they were good things. If I just would, man, I'm just not praying enough. I'm just not loving God enough. I'm just not reading enough. I'm not, you know, whatever. And are all those things good things? Yes. But I began to even get frustrated with those good things because they weren't working. And I'm pouring myself into these things and yet still struggling and going, what is going on? What I was doing that whole time was thinking that I, in my own effort, if I'll just try hard, I'll fix it. But the source there is still wrong because who is it? It's still me. I am the one that got me into it by following I by being led by my own passions and desires. We'll look at that next week when it talks about temptation. It's important that we understand that process. But I submitted to my own passions and desires, was led by my flesh, and ended up in this spot. What makes me think that by my own effort, I'm gonna get myself out? But that's what I was trying to do, okay? Here's what Paul says. All right. Verse, uh, so I told you Galatians 5, right? Okay, Galatians 5. Here's what he says, super simple. He says, but I say, uh, verse 16, <laughs> Like, he could say that anywhere. <laughs> All right, check this out. This is, like, this is mind-blowing to me. Look at this, verse 16. But I say, what does it say? Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is where he says the, the flesh and the spirit are against one another. So we're not going to jump into all that. I've already said it, but that's the next verse, okay? But, but look at this. Here's a, it's so simple, so subtle, and it was like light bulb for me. He says, walk by the spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. What was I trying to do? Walk by the flesh to defeat the flesh. All of my energy and all of my effort was being poured into me fixing it, and Paul says, it'll never work that way. Here's how you don't gratify the desires of the flesh. First of all, it's not about focusing on the flesh. If you focus on the flesh, you're going to mess this up. I heard a guy one time talk about, um, 
Like if you, you guys ever been uh, driving and you either, like, actually, yes, many of us have been driving, <laughs> right? There's the, there's, there's the lines, right, that tell you where to be. Have you ever, and I'm not suggesting this, but have you ever, like, get distracted or looking at something one way or the other? Uh, like, if you stared at the line on the right-hand side, where are you going to end up going? Right? <laughs> it's like... By magic, right? You, what you're looking at, you gravitate towards. And here's what I was doing. I'm just stoking the fire of my flesh. I'm trying to fix it with my flesh, focusing on my flesh. And all I'm doing is, don't do that. Don't do that. Stay away from that behavior. And what am I all the time doing? I'm focused and consumed on not doing that behavior. What do you think I did? That very thing I didn't want to do. Because all of myself is focused on it. What does Paul say? Don't focus on the flesh. If you don't want to walk according to the flesh, it's not about just you figuring out how to avoid the flesh. Here's what it is. Here's the answer. Walk in the spirit. Okay. Now, for a lot of us, for me, it was like, doggone, that's another one of those Candyland phrases. You know, like, Candyland is just not going to work for you guys, huh? They're like, he's still saying it, and I don't know. It's one of those, like, just have faith, Right? Okay, thanks, that was not helpful at all, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just walk in the Spirit. Okay, again, thanks for nothing, right? Because what does that mean? See, and here's where I'm just like, seriously, the burden of my heart and my, and my life is that I just believe that we've forgotten to teach what it looks like to live in the Spirit in church. We've just forgotten. We just, like, we've, we've remembered to teach a lot of other things in discipleship, but we've forgotten to teach people what it looks like the day in and day out, life as a believer. What does it look like to know the Spirit and to, and to walk with Jesus on a day-to-day basis? We don't teach that practically anymore. And so when now, and what's happened, the casualty of that is we read something that says walk by the Spirit, which ought to be a robust understanding of what we need to do. And we go, oh, I don't get it. So we've got to, again, ground ourselves in the practical daily walk with the Spirit of God, or we're not going to, all we're going to end up doing, if we don't ground ourselves there again, all we're going to end up doing is being fleshly and carnal Christians. You're going to end up broke and tired because you're trying to be spiritual, absent the only thing that is spiritual in you, and that's the Spirit of God. You may pour out a lot of effort, and it's going to get you about that far. In the beginning of Acts, and, and I love this, sometimes I've heard this, this uh, like, anyway, the beginning of, I'm not going to... Uh, run down that road but the, the beginning of acts like judas right has betrayed jesus so then went from 12 to 11 and they're going they're sitting around like going well what do i what do we i don't what do we there's only like what you got to figure this out and they have an election <laughs> right and this guy matthias is elected like i guess they just looked across the the the, the deal and they were like well we got to figure out who could replace him we got to figure out how to get this thing done and they replace him and okay so now there's 12 again when's the next time you hear about matthias never <laughs> right that's the last thing that happens. I believe it's in the end of chapter one. It's the last thing that happens. Then chapter two comes. The spirit of God comes and church blows up. 
Like there's two in one chapter, there's two references of 3,000 people coming to know Jesus and the church just starts exploding because the spirit of God came. They tried it like, okay, let's get together and elect this other guy and here we go. And all that human effort, what happened? Nothing. And then the spirit of God shows up and it's like, boom. Right? And we've done the same thing in our lives. We've gone, okay, how can I, in my effort, produce uh, righteous living? How can I figure out how to beat this stuff, right? How do I defeat this trauma? And the reality is you cannot. You are void of the ability. It does not exist in your flesh to be an overcomer. You're an overcomer by name because of Christ Jesus and his power and presence in you. And if we don't key into that, then we're going to live exhausted Christian lives, trying to be good and pleasing to God and trying to overcome stuff. And we're going to end up broke and tired, right? So the answer is uh, walk by the Spirit. Now, because of where we're at, I'm going to try to break that down a little bit. We've got 15 minutes. Here's, here's what we need to do, okay? Um, Ephesians chapter uh, 5, verse 18, just a few verses later. Um, uh, I'm sorry, not verses later. In another book and verses later, uh, another letter we're told to be filled with the Spirit. Jesus says that the Spirit is gonna be like rivers of living water in us. So I'm gonna, what I wanna try to do is just ground us in some practical work of the Holy Spirit because we gotta kind of learn again who he is um, and, then, and then figure out what does it look like to trust him in this work against strongholds. So, uh, so that's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna spend a little bit of time in some passages really trying to figure out uh, how to do this. All right, so I'm gonna go kind of fast because I've spent a little extra time in some places I didn't intend to. So um, we're going to jump around a little bit, but go to John chapter 14. So again, we're just going to review some statements about the Spirit and try to set a framework for understanding His work in our lives. So again, how do we, how do we not gratify the desires of the flesh? What are we aimed at? What does He say? Come on, guys. Come on, come on, come on. Walk by the Spirit. So biblically, if we want to overcome strongholds, what's the deal? Focus on the strongholds, right? No, walk in the Spirit. So our effort, our energy needs to be, in learn, be about learning what that looks like, all right? So a couple things about the Spirit. Verse, I mean, uh, John chapter 14, uh, verse 15. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper who will be with you forever, even the Spirit of, the, of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, we're going to go fast. Just a couple points here, okay? First thing is, what does Jesus say in verse 15? If you love me, you will keep my commandments, okay? So the keeping of Jesus' commandments and love for him are tied together, but he also recognizes that he... Well, he doesn't say is, if you love me, keep my commandments. And to do it, try really, really, really hard. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I'm going to send a helper so that you can do it. <laughs> right? I'm going to send this helper so that it's possible. The world can't receive him because it neither sees him or know him. Why will you know him? Because what? He will be with you and in you. You tracking? He will be with you and in you. He's a friend and he's a near presence. Okay? He will know him because he's in us. So the first thing when we go, okay, I gotta start, I need to focus on this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Where do I find him? I know it's a weird question. Where do I find him? With and in. So Jesus says, you'll know him because he's with and in you. 
Okay? So it's this near presence of Jesus. Go to John chapter 16. John's like the, the Holy Spirit book. <laughs> so Jesus says so much about the Spirit and just gives us such a f- beautiful framework for understanding who he is. Okay? Um, John 16, uh, verse 5. It says, But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your, say that word, advantage. That's crazy. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Jesus, in his work on the advance of the kingdom of heaven, in and through us, based on what he was doing, saw it as advantageous for us, for him to leave. What? Somebody just go, what? Nobody, okay, we got one. Thanks, man. It was quiet, but it was still really good. <laughs> right? He says, it's advantageous that, you, that I go away. For If I don't go away, why? Why is it good for me to go? Because what do I get to send? The Holy Spirit, right? The helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world. Listen, here's some things that he's going to do. Convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Everybody say amen. Those are important things. <laughs> right? Right? He's going to convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Not just sin. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. What is sin? He's going to convict the world concerning what sin is. Righteousness, what is it? What is judgment? Like He's going to bring these things into our grasp. Uh, Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. What's he going to produce in us? Righteousness, right fruit of the Holy Spirit. He's going to teach us that. Come on. How many of you want to know, what did he say in John 15? If you'll love me, you'll keep my commandments. And what did he just say the Spirit is going to do? He's going to teach us righteousness. Does anybody want that? <laughs> yes! Just, just practice. Like, just loosen up. Everybody just like, say amen. Okay, there we go. Woo, loosen up. All right. He's going to teach us that stuff. All right? And then concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into some truth that you need, only non-practical stuff. That's not what it says. <laughs> he will guide you into what's the word? All. Say it like you're excited about knowing all truth by the spirit. Say all. All. That's so good. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak, okay, this is so profound. He will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify who? Who's speaking? It's in red. So when it says me, who's he talking about? Jesus. Listen to me. So much of our pushback on the Holy Spirit has been because people have twisted and abused the work of the Spirit to glorify self. Look at me. The Spirit of God is powerful. The Spirit of God works the works of God in and through us, but the Spirit of God will never do so to glorify you. His work in you will always 
be to glorify Jesus. And I don't just mean the stuff that he does through you. Like, I'm not, I don't even mean the time when you, like, are sitting around with co- coffee with somebody and, and God gives you wisdom to bring into somebody's life and they go, oh my gosh, I'm not even talking about just the output. I'm saying even the internal work that he does in your life is glorifying not to you, to Jesus, because his work is to teach you to be like Jesus. And in that way, glorifying Jesus. So his internal and his external work will only be to glorify Jesus. And we can trust him because of that. Because he doesn't just come as this like third wheel, like just doing whatever he wants. He's submitted. Even though he is God, he's submitted to God to glorify Jesus. There is beautiful harmony in the Trinity and what the Spirit of God is doing in us. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you, Right? We're not, we're not without Jesus' words, right? The Spirit is bringing that to us. All the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. There's a rich abundance of truth to be had by the Spirit of God. All right. I said I was going to go fast, and I just keep slowing down. All right, John 16. Uh, oh, I already did that. Good. Hey, that's a way to do it, right? Two birds, one stone. There we go. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, here's where, here's where these things have to collide for us, all right? So we've got two topics. That which is not a faith is sin, okay? So just like we're making it super elementary here. If I don't want to keep on sinning, what, ha- what do I have to start living in? Faith, right? Okay? And what does Paul say? If you don't want to gratify the desires of your flesh, walk by the Spirit. So how does walking by the Spirit and faith, how do they connect? Do they, do they have harmony with one another and what does that look like so let's look at faith just for a brief moment okay a lot of this a lot of this i talked about in extent uh or two is that even can i say that in extent that doesn't make sense i talked about uh, sheila where you at an extent i can't say that can i i don't either that's the problem that's mostly the problem (laughs) hebrews chapter 11 that's what i'm trying to say let's look at faith all right, again, I was, what I was trying to say was go to the podcast. We taught all this stuff like two semesters ago in extreme detail, <laughs> in entirety, extensively. Good, the source people out here. And I got a thumbs up from Chris. All right, so here we go. Look at, check this out. This is such a cool definition of faith. Now, faith uh, 11.1 is the assurance of things hoped for, for the, convi- uh, sorry, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made by, out of things that are visible. Okay, so faith has to do with seeing. Faith has to do with, uh, with uh, and this is going to sound like really hocus pocus. It's not. I'm going to try to ground it here in just a second. Faith allows us to live in the world according to the kingdom of heaven. Okay, here's here's why I say that. Look at this. It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction. So the conviction is like the grounding, the surety of things that are not seen. And then it just says, what does it say that's next? What is not seen? God and his kingdom. And what is not seen is what birthed the visible, right? What does it say in Genesis? That God spoke and it was. That which was not seen is what created what was seen. And so what faith does is it gives us access into God's heart and God's kingdom while present on the earth. All right? That's, that's, that's what it's saying here. Now, it gives examples, which is so, so, so helpful. Okay? So I want to go to an example. I've got to figure out how to keep this thing from turning off. It keeps turning off on me. Um, go to verse 8. Okay? You guys are doing great. Go to verse 8. Look at here. 
So this is just about Abraham. There's lots of examples in here, but here's what it says about Abraham. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, what? Not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise. As in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Look at verse 10. This is so helpful. For he was looking forward to, you see it? For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Okay. Okay. So God tells Abraham what he's going to do. God gives Abraham a promise and calls Abraham by faith out into it, right? So here's what Abraham did. Abraham chose to believe God's promise, which was in you, all the nations of the world will be blessed and, and your, uh, uh, your descendants will outnumber the sand on the seashore. Like, I'm, I'm going to bless you and make you a great nation. And Abraham had nothing physical to show for it. But he had a word from God that said, this is what I'm going to do. And it says, by faith, Abraham went. And what did it say? He didn't just go like, well, I really hope God does it. That's how we describe faith a lot. We talk about blind faith and we, and we, we, we act like faith is hoping really, really, really hard. It's not. Faith is not hoping really, really, really hard. It's the evidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's not just, I hope God comes through. Abraham stepped out. On the promise of God, it says he was looking for that city. He believed that what God said was a reality, not one that he could see and touch and taste and feel with his hands, but one that was going to come because why? God said it. And so he lived according to what God said, and that's what faith allowed him to do. You hear me? Now, this ought to be, I hope this is starting to like light up some light bulbs, which is what light bulbs are supposed to do is be lit up, right? Amen? Okay. Because what have we just been asked to do? Live by faith. And most of us hear that and go, so I'm just supposed to hope God just kills this thing that I'm struggling with? No. What faith allows us to do, what faith allows us to grab, taste, feel, and touch the reality of the kingdom of God that says you are not a slave to that thing that is in front of you. It does not have power over you. And that's not just hope and that's reality. And faith lets us grab that reality. And when I walk by the Spirit, what's the Spirit going to do? He's going to reveal to me all truth. He's going to lead me and guide me in righteousness. So by faith, when I walk by the Spirit, I get to live according to the kingdom of God while present on the earth. That's what faith does. If I don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit that is teaching us righteousness, how is faith going to be helpful to me? You ever thought about this? We're into it now. Faith is useless to me absent the Spirit of God. Because what do I need it for? If all I'm doing is living in the natural, what do I need faith for? <laughs> it's useless. And so we say have faith and we kick the Holy Spirit out of our lives and it's like, okay, but have faith. The Spirit of God the spirit of God in us is the one that will lead us into all sin. He's the one that's going to open your eyes and go, it's sin. It's not of me. He's the one that's going to open your eyes and go, this is righteousness. And he's not just the one that's going to do that. He's not just this guy that's like pointing out all the junk in your life. He's also the one that empowers you to live in the way that God has called us to live. He's the one that empowers us to love Jesus by doing what he says. Our faith can't do that. 
It's the spirit of God in us. And the scripture tells us that faithful is he who called you, who will also do it. God has given us everything that we need and told us. When Jesus left, he said, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. Like trust what I'm putting in you. Faith and walking in the spirit are so connected. We cannot have one without the other. Faith is not just believing that God exists. Faith is the real, everyday, practical moment where I trust the work and the leading of the Holy Spirit to do what he says I'm going to do. And for me, here's how it played out. I told you last week, years of my life thrown away to this idol of, of sexual self in pornography. Years of my life given to that. Even years of my marriage given to that. But then this, this book, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's like, I went, oh my gosh, I've been missing it. I've been trying to beat this on my own. And, and I went, okay, I'm just, first of all, I was just totally to the end. Like, honestly, it was like, all right, Holy Spirit, like, let's hope this works because I got nothing else. I've literally tried everything, I've tried to shame myself out of it. I've tried to guilt myself out of it. I've tried to spiritualize myself out of it. I've tried everything and nothing works. And God opened my eyes to the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. And I went, okay, if this works, and if this is what faith really, really is, is trusting you to do what you say you're going to do, I don't feel like an overcomer. I don't feel victorious. I don't feel like this thing is dead in front of me, but you say that it is. So here it goes. I'm just going to trust you. And you want to know what didn't happen? Temptation didn't go away. You know what didn't happen? Like the routines and patterns of my life that, that I often fell, uh, that fell into uh, sin, those things didn't go away. Like the stuff that was in my life, it didn't just, God didn't go, good, now I will buy. You don't have to do anything, like boom. But you know what did happen? The very next moment, I just prayed. I just went, okay, God, if your spirit is really who you say it is and he's in me, and this, I'm, I'm gonna trust you. Like this is it. This is, I'm gonna intentionally not try. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm intentionally going to not try except for I'm going to give all of my being over to trusting your spirit. That's it. That's the only thing I'm going to do. All of my effort, all of my energy, everything to trusting your spirit. And the very next time that temptation came and it was massive, it's like a tsunami of temptation came. I just literally, it was just like, you know, the big way, everybody been to the beach and you realize, oh, snap, I'm out too far and this thing is coming and there's like no escape. It's going to hit me. It's like, what do you do? You just kind of go, hoop, <laughs> right? That's what I did. And in my mind, I mean, you just talk about a war unfolding. In my mind, everything in me is going, give yourself to that lust and that temptation. Everything in me is just going, all of my humanity is reaching for it. Except for in my spirit, I'm just determined. I'm just going, God, help me, help me, help me. Spirit of God, help me. Spirit of God, help me. And I just locked in, like just literally huddled down like a little coward. And it's just like, God, help, 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 right? And you know what happened? It passed. And I wrestled with it a little bit, like, okay, there was a lot of stuff in my brain. God, what do I do with that? And God's like, don't, just, I'll take care of all that. Like, but it passed. And you want to know what happened next? Like the next day, guess what? Repeat. You know what's still happening today? 
Repeat. There's moments and there's days where I just, it's like I just got to huddle up and go, oh my gosh, my flesh, I am so wicked apart from God. And it's this tsunami of temptation. And I just huddle up and just go, God, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. You know what's happened every single time for like nine and a half years? He's done it. And I can promise you, I'm just a scared little kid, man. I can promise you, it's not because Kendall rose up and did something. It's because I finally was out of energy. And I just went, okay, I'm going I'm to try this faith spirit thing. You know what? It works. Not as a solution to our issues. Okay, he's not a vending machine. Like, I need help, right? Like, come on, I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you, he does what he says he's going to do. And in my weakest and most feeble moments, the power of the Holy Spirit was enough. That's really good news. Right? It doesn't mean that there's nothing practical I did in my life. It doesn't mean that I was like, I just kept on living the same way. Because you know what this Holy Spirit was also doing? is like, all right, that's got to go. That habit's got to go. The way you think right there, that's got to go. Like, he's still, still working on that. All right? And that's what we got to talk about next week. The other thing that he taught me is temptation. I didn't understand temptation. And because it's 1035, you're not going to understand it today either until we get to next week. But we got to move on. So, but here's the deal. Temptation and practical is next week because we have to also understand those things. We have to understand like in the meat of the battle, like what is temptation? Because one of the things I was doing is giving up before I should have been given up. I was giving up because I felt temptation coming and I thought I'd already lost. And that is not what the scripture says. So we need to understand temptation and we need to understand how to get practical in some of our strongholds because it is very practical also but practical empowered by the spirit everybody not okay i've been talking really fast for a long time jesus help us to understand but not just that man not just that we we need real tangible work of the holy spirit in our lives we don't need just theory we i mean so many of us we're like right here in that moment of i'm to the end of myself and we don't need another good christian theory we need the promise of god to begin to work in our lives We need to know it and experience it. And God, I just know that by your scripture, by your promise, you are waiting, ready, and working. And you're just just going, just give yourself to me. Just let me have control. Let me take this thing over. So I just pray in this room right now that wherever we're at, that we would just surrender. That's it. That's just, that's where it was, is the power is in surrender. Would we just surrender today in Jesus' name? Amen. All right, have fun talking about that in your life groups. And uh, I'll see you next week. Amen. Smile and say amen. Amen. All right, I'll see you in a little while.